Man, now I've shared with most of you that uh, as long as I wake up early in the morning because I'm old, I, I flip on the news and usually 20 minutes, half hour, and I usually flip the stations because you get different perspectives of uh, what the, what the news, news is. I tell you, I am thrilled uh, that for about a little over a week, I'm not hearing about COVID anymore on the news. It is so nice to not be hearing about COVID on every new show. But then there's maybe uh, you've been paying attention to another subject. Ukraine. In this day and age, we see the pictures of what's going on. Over a million, and there are going to be far more that are leaving their livelihoods, their homes, their families to try and uh, get to a place where they'll just be able to stay alive. We got cities under siege. You know, the likes of something like that, I, I really can't even imagine. I try to think about what it would be like to drive to here on a Sunday morning and be risking my life. For what those folks are going through. Paying attention in the world, this feels like, in my lifetime, one of the more significant, potentially global impacting events. What's going on over there? This is a big deal. He just took control of the nuclear reactors in Ukraine. He has nuclear weapons. And it feels like to me, for the first time, some of you maybe don't remember, I was a young kid, read about it mostly, the Bay of Pigs, we're thinking about what the implications might be for us. Sharia and Chris got that moniker, the most messed up childhoods, from me. I know lots of people, I don't know anybody who have gone through childhoods that are more challenging. Don't hear me saying there aren't people that have more challenging theirs, but I don't know them personally. And maybe ours aren't as bad as theirs was, but ours weren't easy, and now we got challenges in life now. The world is broken. John the Apostle, as he writes this gospel, has already alluded to that in the beginning of this book, in the prologue. He references that as simply darkness. The world is dark. And yet there is a light. There is a hope. And that hope no matter how dark things get, is Christ. There's power in Jesus. There is hope 
Jesus. There is life in Jesus. And no matter how much darkness there is in the world, the light of Jesus will never be overcome by that darkness. So if you're here today trying to figure out whether or not you want to trust this Christ, John is laying out a foundation for believing in this Christ. If you're here today and you already treasure Christ, John is laying out a foundation that we might leave here with more confidence and more light than when we arrived. Now he's going to do that, John the Apostle, by introducing us to John the Baptist. We worked through the prologue. Now he's introducing Jesus to the world. And the question they're asking John the Baptist is, who are you? Now that's what we're going to focus on. But as John answers that question in the text, he has a deeper purpose. As we deal with who's John the Baptist, the bigger idea is to see who Jesus is. We're going to have the first picture here in the gospel of somebody who believes in Jesus and who has received Jesus. So who's John the Baptist? But we're going to keep in our minds as we work through this, more importantly, who is Jesus? Because that's the big idea of this text, because that's where our hope is found. Last week, but to all who did receive him and who believed in his name. I think belief in Jesus has gotten muddy and cloudy and ambiguous. It's more than just understanding who he is. That's what this gospel is about. Trying to pull apart what does genuine belief look like. And we're going to see that in John the Baptist. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Picking it up now, after the prologue, this introduction of John the Baptist. And this is the testimony of John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they'd been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ or Elijah uh, or, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Now these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. 
And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Father, I pray again as we look at these words that you inspired John the Apostle to write, I pray that we would see Jesus. Help us to understand what's going on in this narrative. Help us to pull this story apart. But I pray, Father, as we do that, you would help us to see Jesus. Wherever we are in our life today, whatever our emotions, whatever we're wrestling with, whatever we're celebrating, I pray that you would help us to see Jesus. There's power in Jesus, Father. So help us to experience that power in our time here together. And then may that power, Father, go with us. That's our prayer. We ask this in the name of the Word, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, who is John the Baptist? We're going to pull this apart here this morning. John the Apostles telling us about John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? The first thing is he had an accurate view of himself. And he had built up a significant following. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Now, I think we could be tempted to see in this text that these religious leaders are threatened by John the Baptist. John the Apostle has not given us any hint there of that at this point. We, don't, we want to be careful about reading what we know is coming in the book into this text. I think these guys are just doing their diligence. They're the religious leaders. Now they've got a guy out there preaching that the kingdom of God is here and he's baptizing people. And they're the religious leaders. And he's got people following him. They are building, he's building a, a following. These guys are just sent to figure out what in the world is going on. Because they're the religious leaders, this guy's preaching stuff that they're going, we think we should have known about that. No posturing. I mean, notice this from John the Baptist here. As they ask him, who are you? There's no trying to inflate who he is. He doesn't even go into the details that he could reference about who he is. Because for him, his goal is to point to Jesus. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed. Now, confessed. I don't love that verb there. It's a hard one to translate. I, I, I would have preferred he professed. He didn't do anything wrong. He, he, he's, just, he's just trying to declare passionately that he's not the Christ. He confessed and did not deny, but confess again. I'm not the Christ. I'm preaching the kingdom is here, but I am not the Messiah. I am not the guy that's promised in the Old Testament, making that clear. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? If you go to Malachi, there's a prophecy that Elijah would come and, 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 and predict these things. And he wants to make clear to them, I am not a, a, a Elijah either. Are you the prophet? And if you go back to Deuteronomy, Moses uh, makes a prophecy about a prophet coming. And, and, and he's making clear here, no, I am not. Now, we're going to go on, and we already read, so you know this. Now, if I'm John the Baptist, here's what I say. I'm not the Christ. 
I'm not Elijah and I'm not the prophet. But I'm the result of a miraculous birth. My dad was Zechariah. And he's that priest that went into the most holy place and God said to him, hey, you're going to have a special son and he's going to be set aside to prepare the way for the Messiah. What I'd say. So, you think I'm nobody. You misunderstand. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. But you think I'm nobody. I'm actually somebody. And he could have declared that. Not important to him. He had an accurate view of himself. He understood this. He was called by God to introduce the Messiah. He understood he wasn't the Messiah. He understood he had a need. However his birth had come about, that miraculous, because his parents were old, whatever that, here's what he knew. He knew he needed a Savior. And his role was to point to that Savior. He was set aside from birth and lived in the wilderness. Now, this is the text we looked at last week where John the Apostle had already introduced him. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. As you go through Luke 1, where it talks about his miraculous birth, his father again being able, unable to speak because your memory's in the most holy place and God tells him you're going to have a son. He said, you guys remember this part? How can I be sure? You're in the most holy place. God speaks to you and you say, could I get some verification that this is actually going to happen? And because of that, he, he, he can't speak. The, the point here, though, is I want you to know is he grew up and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So he's got this special birth. We don't know at what time, but, but at some point in his life, he goes out and lives in the wilderness. So we don't know a lot about John. There's not a ton we know about him. He went into the wilderness, and then all of a sudden he appears. But he's out there, so part of this is people didn't really know who he is. He hadn't built a reputation before suddenly he comes back and starts preaching. He went out there and lived in somewhat isolation. So he's not the typical choice. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Now, some, some identification may be with the way Elijah dressed, if you go back and, and read about Elijah. But primarily, this is how poor people lived. This is how poor people ate. This is how poor people dressed. And he had lived in the wilderness. Now, I just want you to think about this for a second. Jesus came and was born in relative obscurity. Nobody really knew. Now we're talking about the announcement of his formal ministry. He could have had formal religious leaders. You know, God actually has the power. He could have actually painted this in the sky with clouds. Jesus is the Savior. He could have had angel choirs. 
Don't miss this. How does God promote the gospel? Through the integrity of people. Ordinary people. He's God Almighty, and what are the ways? There are no limits to the ways he could communicate and promote who his son is. Don't miss this. His birth and now the announcement of his arrival. This guy wearing camel hair? Are you kidding me? To establish the credibility of the Messiah? It's not the way we would do it. We would have a rock band and laser shows. Oh, we know how to make something special. We know how to promote Jesus. God just uses the integrity of this individual and the passion of who he is. But he is the guy Isaiah prophesied. He's with these folks sent by the religious leaders, specifically by the Pharisees. They have to go back and get an account. They're not content with, no, I'm not Christ. No, I'm not Elijah. No, I'm not the prophet. And so they press him. Verse 22. And so they said, who are you again? Feeling the pressure of being sent out and needing to go back and give an answer. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. So what do you say about yourself? Now he gets this. He gets he's the guy called by God to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so he does it. I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Prepare people for his arrival. As the prophet 700 years before had said. I'm doing exactly what God told me to do. He was called to introduce Jesus, the Messiah, and he faithfully did what God asked him to do. Now, he's not recognized by the religious leaders. I want you to notice here, I don't know that the religious leaders here, I don't think they're threatened yet by Jesus and what's going on. They're just doing diligence. But John, the writer here, is going to give us a sense the first time that they're not going along with what's being laid out by God. Verse 23, he said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they'd been sent from the Pharisees. So I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet. But I am the one that Isaiah said was coming. Now here's where we see the first resistance from these religious leaders. Because what's their response? And they asked him, what gives you the credibility to do what you're doing then? Why in the world are you going around baptizing? You're not the Christ, you're not Elijah, you're not the prophet. But he just has told them, I am the one 700 years ago that Isaiah talked about. And their question is still, what gives you the right to baptize if you are neither Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? So it's our first hint of what's going to get more intense as we go through the gospel. But the religious leaders now are, are not giving him any credibility. 
And he built an influence by preaching and baptizing. John answered them, I baptize with water, but the one among you stands a, a one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of the sandal, I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across from Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, we have baptism today. I'm going to pull this apart. We practice baptism. If you want to be baptized, come talk to us. We would love to do that. But here, what John's talking about, and I'm going to pull this apart for the next few minutes. Here's what he's essentially saying to these guys. You're getting after me for baptizing? I'm just baptizing with water. You're making this a huge deal. You're making it a bigger deal than it is. I'm just baptizing people with water. I'm not the guy. We're going to go on and see it in the next paragraph. He's going to allude to it here. But he says, there's somebody coming who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now that's a stinking big deal. You guys are getting all excited about me baptizing with water. I'm just baptizing with water. The real baptism, the important baptism, the baptism that changes your life forever, that one is coming and that one will not be done by me. So uh, 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 John appeared. Here's, I'm going to reference just Mark here to get a little clearer picture than John the Apostle gives us of what John the Baptist is doing. John the Baptist appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism for the repentance of forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and his clothes. He's doing a baptism that's not our believer's baptism. This is a baptism that says, I know I need to be forgiven. I need a Messiah to come and forgive me. Our baptism is retrospective. So I'm going to pull this apart here just a, a, a little bit. Oh, I forgot I had this. And he preached saying me, because here's they're tying those two ideas in Mark. In our text, they're going to be pulled apart by paragraphs. After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of sandals. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie what we just read. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, John in the, in, in the gospel here is pulling this apart. So let's go to baptism. The Jews. Some Jews practiced I would call it more of a holy bath. But there were a lot of Jews that they understood going under the water and coming out was a, a symbol of, of, of being cleansed. Now the big difference is when they took these holy baths, and that's why I like using the term bath, they did it to themselves. Somebody else didn't do it to them. And this is just trying to get in a historical context here a little bit. So that some Jews practice this thing, and you can go back to some Old Testament texts where it was encouraged. You, you go get cleansed, especially if you touched a, a corpse, a dead person, you had to go get, you had to get ceremonially washed. John the Baptist, he's just baptizing with water, pointing to Jesus. This wasn't the symbol that said, all my sins have been forgiven. This was a symbol that said, I need my sins to be taken from me, but they haven't yet been taken from me. Now he's doing the same thing that we do in terms of the practice, but our baptism is, I always remember which side you're on. You look this way, right? Looking back, their baptism is looking forward. Capiche? Make sense? 
Now, believer's baptism, is that even referenced in this text? No. The way we baptize isn't even a subject in this text. You got the Jews who did their thing, that's framing these guys, because all of a sudden, here's a guy, people aren't baptizing themselves, they're not taking a holy bath, he's doing it to them. What gives him the authority to go dunk these people? Who are you? This is part of why it's got their attention. But it's a baptism pointing to Jesus. And then Jesus is coming, and he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. When we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit enters our life. This is the time of transformation. This is the time of renewal. This is the time of the forgiveness of our sins. This is a stinking big deal when Jesus does this. He's just baptizing, pointing that that's going to come. And he faithfully did what God asked him to do. And he wholeheartedly and then fearlessly pointed people to Jesus. He didn't know it fully until the Spirit descended on Jesus. He didn't know Jesus was the Messiah until fully until he saw the Messiah descend on him. Now we're going to read a text here where twice John's going to say, I did not know him. Now some of us, I hope, are saying, but Mary and Elizabeth, Jesus' mother, and his mother were cousins. They both were born about the same time. John's birth just predating his by a little bit. How in the world does he not know Jesus? I don't think he's saying he didn't know Jesus at all. I don't think he's even saying that he didn't have some hint. Their parents had to talk about what happened to them both, just had to. I think what he's saying is, I didn't really fully get it. I really didn't fully get it until I saw the Holy Spirit descend on him. And that's, now there's an important lesson I think in there for us. He was faithful with what he did know. So let's go to the text. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. Again, I didn't fully get that Jesus was the Messiah, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me, God, to baptize with water said to me, God told him, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Now, here's again part of what I, I love that I think John the Apostle wants us to see here. John the Baptist is faithful to what he knew, but he didn't have all the answers. How hard would it have been for God to communicate before this that Jesus is actually the Messiah? I think he could have done that. John the Baptist lived what he knew. He followed happily and obeyed what he knew. But he was pretty close proximity to Jesus. And yet he didn't get the fullness of who he was until the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended on him. Yet he was faithful. Now, these are the questions I ask. How did he know when he was supposed to go preaching? How did he know? He's living in the wilderness. How did he know he was supposed to start? 
Here's what I'm really confident of. God told him. How did he tell him? I have no idea. But he's out there living in the wilderness, and somehow God said, now's the time. And he went and was faithful to what he knew, even though he didn't know exactly who the Messiah was. I'm like, wow, that is nuts. And yet he was living out his faith. Because God had told him, now go preach and do this stuff. And of course, I think the big idea here is we answer the question of who is John the Baptist is who is Jesus? Because that's where you'll notice this narrative ends and concludes. That's where John the Apostle, as he writes, is, builds us to this point. The next day, so what's happening here? He baptized Jesus before this next day. Stay with me here. Though in the narrative, his reference to Jesus being revealed as the Messiah in the narrative is after this, he actually baptized Jesus and recognized Jesus before this next day. Is everybody following me here? So the next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. He's being interviewed. I'm not these guys. I'm not these guys, but I am from Isaiah. Then the next day, he's standing there with that same group of people, and guess who starts walking up to him? Jesus, I'm not the guy, ah! but he is. That's the guy that i just been telling you about. I'm not him, but that's the guy. Behold, the Lamb of God, unmistakably a reference to 1,300 years of sacrificial practice back to the Lamb when they were in Egypt that needed to come. They had to keep giving these sacrifices to point to the one who would come that they wouldn't have to give sacrifices anymore, the one who would do it, who would die in their place, who takes away the sin of the world, what he's going to develop in the rest of the book. The guy that removes all our guilt, all our shame, everything, takes it on himself. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me. He's more important than me because he was before me. He is God. I myself did not know him fully, didn't get it. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. That's why I've been doing this ministry, just to prepare people for him. And John bore witness I saw the Spirit descend. This had happened before this day now. I, I saw the Spirit descend, on from, descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him, and I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is the guy that puts the Holy Spirit in those people who really treasure him. That's the baptism that's essential. We practice water baptism looking back as a symbol of this baptism. We come to treasure Christ, Jesus baptizes us with his spirit in us. This 
is the big deal. This is where we get light in the darkness, no matter how dark it gets. Globally, nationally, personally, the light comes from this Jesus and from his putting the Holy Spirit into us. That's where it comes from. And I have seen and bore witness. Again, we've talked about it numerous times, but this is John the Apostle and John the Baptist trying to communicate this. Believing in Jesus is not a myth. We're basing this upon facts, upon evidence. This is logic and reasonable. I'm an eyewitness, John the Baptist is saying, to the Spirit descending on him. He is the guy. I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is the Word who left the glory of heaven and came into this world and became a human being. This is the Messiah. This Jesus, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, we want more light. We want more Jesus. So here's my encouragement. Those who receive and believe, as modeled by John the Baptist and still true today, we live with an accurate view of ourselves. Before faith, we're in big trouble. John the Baptist a product of a miraculous birth, prophesied 700 years what he was going to do, told by God somehow to go start preaching. He knew he needed a Messiah. He knew he needed Jesus to forgive him. So it starts with an accurate view of ourself, before we treasure Christ, and then after. I love the story of Sharia and Chris. I'm just going to tell you, without Jesus, I think there's no chance of them being who they are today without Christ. Go talk to them. Both grateful for their upbringings. I ask, would I be grateful? I'd like to think I would, but I'm not sure. Horrible, hellacious what they've been through. But it's the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus. Now let me assure you, I know them both fairly well. They still have room to grow. And part of the evidence that Jesus is in them is they both recognize they still have room to grow. But it starts there. We live by faith with what we know. I've been walking with Jesus roughly 40 years now. I still have questions. There's still stuff that frustrates me. I'm living by best I can by what I know. That's what John the Baptist did. 
And then we live learning about Jesus. I love this. John the Baptist was out there having the religious leaders get after him, and he didn't even know who the Messiah was. But he's out there boldly preaching this. He's here. He didn't know exactly who he was, but he was preaching. The kingdom is here, the Messiah is here. But he, for some of that, didn't even know who he was. But he kept growing. We've got these little books. You can pick them up in the back. The Gospel According to John, and there's a text in there. I'm going to encourage you to pick one of these up. Spend five minutes a day reading John. There's my encouragement as we go through this book. Five minutes a day. Just write down. What is God revealing about who Jesus is? Just take some notes. They're in the back right out here in the foyer. Just go grab one. Ask somebody, whatever you want to do, go grab one of these. And five minutes a day, who is Jesus? Who am I? In Jesus, wherever the Holy Spirit takes you. But this Jesus is so good, we cannot keep him to ourselves. Again, Chris, I love the way he shared that, you know. How do you give this away? I hope that Jesus, my paraphrase of what Chris says, just comes out of me. In the way we live with others. May folks see the love of Christ. Now it starts at home. Starts at home. And then goes to Starbucks, goes to work, goes to the golf course. Even when you hit a bad shot, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> and sometimes we use words when it's appropriate, when people are asking, because the world is dark. Is it any more dark than it used to be? My personal feeling is no. Media, what we can do on our phones, just gives us a clearer picture of what's going on all over. The magnitude of the darkness in some instances, I mean a nuclear bomb, but it's always been dark. But folks, we got the light. And the darkness, darkness, never, ever, ever, will overcome the light that is Jesus. So, Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for giving us John the Apostle. Thanks for giving us John the Baptist. In the darkness with which we wrestle personally, corporately, we want increasingly to see your light. Father, continue to give us a vision of who you are, of the depth of your love for us, Father, wherever we're at, whatever we're wrestling with, Father. Help us to see your love and your grace. And Father, I pray you'd help us to share it with one another and share it, oh, passionately with those who need to meet you.